Welcome back to the Essentially Blue podcast. My name is Tommy. I'm joined by a few amazing people today. I'm joined by a first timer in Anthony. Welcome. And I'm joined by a returning guest in Judah. And of course, I'm joined by my good friend, Ubi. Hey guys, welcome to the sixth episode. So how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And um. I personally am happy to be here again. I think uh, this is my second episode. So yeah, happy days. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We'll try and have more of you. I, I enjoyed your controversial take on a few topics the last episode. So I guess <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, Anthony, I don't know. Did you get to watch the Lil? Did you, did you watch the Lil match? Well, who was man of the match for you and um, your moment of the match? Okay, man of the match for me. Mm-hmm. Like always, <laughs> Thiago Silva. I, in the first half, it was Kovacic. I wished he, he played the whole match, but the, mm-hmm. the 90, I'll go with Thiago Silva. Yeah, he had a good game, actually. Yeah, yeah. What moment stood out in the match for you? Like, what moment, like, can you remember that was, like, the most exciting? The most exciting moment of the match? Mm-hmm. Eugenio's assist. <laughs> yeah, it was nice, actually, yeah. We don't get that it's going to open. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, it's like... They are, they are, they are, they are, they are beginning to complete his, his, his passes. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take his assist. True that. Let me come to Ubi. Ubi, what was your, what was your reaction to lineup and everything? What was your man of the match, moment of the match, and reaction to lineup? Well, I thought the match was interesting. It kind of reminded me of Newcastle match of last mm-hmm. week because both were high intensity. Like the opponent were really pressing up high up the pitch. It was really a frustrating match, especially the first half. I mean, before the Georgino pass, obviously, it was a really like a stressful uh, match. And I'm not going to lie, when they scored the goal, I mean, Lil, by Burak Yilmaz, the experienced Turkish forward, I thought mm-hmm. we're in a mud because they just needed one more goal and then we go to extra time. And Chelsea looked looked like they were defending deep. I mean, Tugel played a three midfield when he played the 3-5-2, which is unusual for us. It's, it's true, it's the same three at the back, but the midfield um, recipe really changes the match. I mean, that's what he did, I think, in the second half when he put on Mason Mount which really changed the game, I think, to, to our um, side. But yeah, like a moment of the match for me was when um, Giorgino made this amazing pass to uh, Pulisic. Yeah. Because honestly, this literally changed the, the track of our team. Because if not, thanks to, the, to, to, the, to that goal, we would um, come back the second half maybe more stressed. And who knows, we might may- maybe lose the match. Uh, it's sad to say, but hey, this pass was really... Uh, delightful and man of the match for me was Aspilqueta because mm. of course he scored the winner but also I noticed his work rate even in the first half he was really running after the ball against the um, Lille left back I'm not sure what his name is but uh, Thiago something I was looking at him actually he was good yeah Maybe he's like Swedish or something, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I might be wrong with this mm. but anyways he was running after the ball and even though he lacks in pace but he, he has the aggression to just run after the ball to collect it. He's our captain. Uh, thanks to his amazing knee goal, we literally won the game, you know. So he, it has to be him. He, he was yeah. good both uh, in defensively and in, and in attack. He was really amazing. Right. Judah, for you, what was your reaction to lineup? Can I contribute something before Judah contributes? Yeah, okay. Uh, I just 
that's the last time you are seeing 352 for real yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were all of us in the first half mm. i think the substitution changed a little but the midfield is too flat with 352 352 mm. yeah. yeah 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 um the thing, the thing about it is that um the thing about 352 basically for me personally i feel is because um you see the three midfielders that we have they are Kante and um Kovacic. they are more mm-hmm. box to box like midfielders like they are midfielders that um they they thrive in a like pivot like a double pivot like maybe you know um when they play with Jorginho or someone else that is a center so basically i found out that in the first half the positions that they were taking up, uh, it was more or less like they didn't really know, you know, where to go and, you know, how to, you know, the spaces to run into, you know, unlike maybe having a mount in that three-man midfield where obviously he's a more attacking-minded player and he knows the kind of, you know, holes and positions to take up when playing in the three-man midfield. So basically, I guess it was just more or less like... um. The three midfielders he picked, they weren't just used to play as part of a three-man midfield. And it actually caused us a um, few issues. And um, so and I'm happy, actually, that um, Tuchel recognized this. And he changed, you know, he changed the formation after the first half, of which that was actually my moment of the match. You know, the <laughs> beginning of the second half when, when, yeah, because I was actually happy that, you know, he realized. And even after the, by the end of the game, you know, he acknowledged it and said that he's at fault because he was the one that chose the wrong tactics and formation and that kind of thing. So I'm happy, like, you know, he acknowledged the fact that he made a wrong team selection and he actually changed it at first half. So, yeah, yeah, my man of the match was um, Aspliqueta as well because he was... <laughs> It was immense yesterday. Like I mean, at that age, to be to be running down and up the flank, I mean, it's it's something you know good to see. So yeah, and he also scored the winning goal as well. So yeah, as because I was my man of the match. But, yeah, um, fair shout out to um Thiago Silva as well. So yeah, both of them. But Aspi just top it for me. I, I agree to a certain. I mean, I, I saw a lot of outcry on Twitter about like change the formation, change the formation. But I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, because look. Like when when he changed when um Tuchel changed to a three four three, you could like see the the difference. Like there was a clear difference because um I don't know we we were able to like build build the game more with you know Giorgio at the base and you know Kante also because um those two midfielders they are more used to playing beside each other and playing as part of a double pivot. So like it was easier for them to build up the game that way. But playing um Kova. And Kante in a three, I don't know, it wasn't just working. And I don't even see it working in the future. <laughs> Except it's probably um probably Giorgio Kovacic and Mount or Giorgio Kante and Mount or something like that. But if it's those three guys in it in a three-man midfield, I, I really don't see it working out. So sincere. Ubi, the problem I had with that formation really it was more about the i don't really have a problem with formation but i i agree to what judah is saying but in regards to cover switch i feel cover switch should be starting more but i feel like he should have stayed on the pitch. The only problem is that cover switch can't do what mount does how he's like hybrid how he can play that hybrid role but what do you think i mean uh well 
I mean, look, the 3-5-2 is not a bad formation. I can understand where Togo came from, because I think if Renato Sanchez played with Lille yesterday, the 3-5-2 would have been better, because Renato Sanchez is really a midfielder beast. So I guess he, he needed to, like, contain the midfield of Lille. However, the Lille team really used the flanks so much. They were also playing, I think, three at the back, and they were coming at us, especially the Bamba side. Alonso looked really just rusty yesterday, but anyways, that's another topic here. But they used the flanks. <laughs> So the the, the three five two did not make sense. So when when uh, Mount came came in for Kovacic, although Kovacic had a good game, but as you said, like uh, Mount has this uh, has a better pace. I think, of course, he's uh, a top scorer compared to Kovacic. He barely scores Kovacic. Uh, we we don't need another box to box midfielder. I think two mm. uh, Kante and Jorginho is is good enough. Especially that we needed someone like um, uh, Mount who can actually drift wide and can go uh, one-on-one against the defenders and the the wingers of Lille. So it was a good um, move by Tuchel, I think, in my opinion, to change the formation, I mean. Anthony, what do you have to say to that? Because... Okay, 3-5-2? The whole whole Mount Kovacic situation, midfielder. Yeah, the whole 3-5-2 situation, yeah. Okay, 3-5-2 can work if you have a, a versatile player like Mount. See, Mount can go to the flanks... Mount can play from the from the middle with three five two. Jorginho, Kante, Kante, and Kovacic. We really can't penetrate. It's like there's no connection between the forwards and the midfield. Yeah, I, I, I feel I understand what you guys are saying, but for me, I feel like Kovacic shouldn't have been taken off. Maybe yeah, Jorginho or Kante. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm asking you. So who should they have taken off? That's why I was asking. I would you. say maybe Jorginho. Yeah, but the thing is that um, I think Ubi actually uh, explained it well because, um, mm-hmm. first of all, it was obvious that three, um, three five two was not working because, yeah. like Ubi said, they were taking they were like using the wings of which Tuchel expected them to probably you know play through the middle or use the mm-hmm. middle like they did in the first leg with Renato Sanchez because, you know, mm-hmm. Renato Sanchez really played well. Like, he, I think he even outboard most of our yeah. midfielders in the first he, leg. He was part of the match, actually, for me. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the first leg. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Yeah, so, so yeah. So, I, I think basically, Tisha was probably expecting them to play more that way. But instead, they interchanged it and they were playing through the wings. And with a 3-5-2, that's, you are playing, they are playing kind of narrow. So, it's not easy for them to, for the, um, you know, the Kovacic and Kante or um, or Avas and Pulisic to, you know, mark the guys at the wing of which they were actually playing through the wing. So it wasn't easy for them. But when you changed to a 3-4-3, it was much easier that way because now they were defending with more width and we were also able to attack with one with more width. So I think that was what actually really changed the game. And yeah, basically that's just it. I know. Let me come to Anthony. Anthony, what do you have to say about Chaloba? <laughs> I really don't think Chaloba will be here for long. Mm. Not that he's not he can develop to a very good defender, but for now, okay, from from the from, from the way I understand it, right now we need complete the complete package. Yeah. I, there's no that time for development. <laughs> we, we need players. For example, if if we had a substitute for Ben Chilwell or a substitute for his James, like for like playing, we'd not be where we are right now. We'd mm-hmm. be challenging for the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But if we have players, if we have squad players who can fit when 
when need be will be affected very 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 much considering what happened to our wing backs for me chaloba maybe alone for another year in a premier league <laughs> It's kind of mm-hmm. harsh, kind of harsh. Yeah, no, I don't. I know it, it's yeah. harsh, but then if, if the likes of if the likes of let's say Lamptey or Livramento or Matgui, if they never left, we'd never have known how 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 good they are actually. I uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, for me basically I believe um personally, um yes. I would say we should not be quick to forget that um this guy first of all is young. That's number one. He's a very young player. That's number one. Number two, not too long ago, he was also bowling well. Like he was dropping actually top performances against the big clubs. So it's it's easy for young players to, you know, um I mean every young player has to go through this patch, like this part where you know, they they starts um you know being shaky in games or falling off that's why they are young you know they learn from this kind of um this kind of games this kind of experiences you know it, it's not every player that can maintain a top form throughout the season and like i said it's also young so we don't expect them to be dropping kind of um Thiago Silva starts every game no it's not we're only kidding ourselves if, if that's what we're expecting from him so i think personally i believe it's too early to say that um is not going to stay long with Chelsea or something like that. I personally believe he's not is not um he shouldn't be a starting center back yet. I mean it should probably be rotation or something for next season and we should probably get a better center back like um Kunde or something, you know, someone we can, you know, learn more from the way same ways learning from Chris Tessin, Rudiger and, and the likes. So yeah, but but basically I believe it's just it's just that stage. He's at that stage, you know, where he has to, you know, fall and then you just the players around him and the coach just try and pick him up back and, you know, make him regain that sort of confidence and form. Because if we're being sincere, truly like the last three games or five games or thereabouts, he has been very shaky and I mean <laughs> he's um his his flaws are beginning to show more, you know. His flaws yeah. are beginning to show more, especially one one versus one. You know, he, we and we also forget that um he plays in defensive midfield before before Tuchel deployed him into a centre back. And you know when you're playing in defensive midfield, not most of the time you get faced in one versus one situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you're playing in midfield, you get to do more interceptions and more maybe tackles and stuff like that. But you don't get players facing you one on one like when playing in a three centre back or something. So yeah, so basically he just has to work on you know probably defending one versus one more and just improve because like I said, it's too long. So they. Yeah. Kind of. And then let me come to Ubi and ask him. Ubi, in regards to Christensen, do you think Christensen is a bit too fragile? And in regards to what Judah said, what do you think about Tra- Chalaba? Well, about Christensen, I agree. He's a bit fragile. Like he's a big man and everything, but he really gets he's injury prone. And for a center back, you need to hold it together a bit more. I mean, I'm not trying to body shame or anything, but he's a bit slim for a center back, which is kind of good in a way because it means he's a bit more agile. He's comfortable on the ball between his feet. He progresses forward. He makes those overlapping runs. Sure, that's an advantage, but also when you're in Chelsea and specifically in the Premier League, which is a very physical league, then you need more physicality. And the history has proven that if you have physicality, you can you can be on top, especially for defenders. I mean, let's talk about Van Dijk, uh, John Terry, of course, Rudiger, even Chaloba himself. So coming, moving to Chaloba here, cont- in, as a continuation of my point, 
Uh, Chalba, I think I have to disagree with Anthony a bit, with all due respect, of course. That I don't think he has to go into another loan because he already went to like three different loans. And then yeah. finally he got this bumper contract with us. Uh, I think he needs time. He needs more experience. Yeah, sure. He can be a rotational center back. But I really like him personally. I have to like, okay, the first goal yesterday, it was probably his fault because of the free kick. Okay, I agree with probably, that. Probably, probably or most likely. <laughs> most likely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can say that safely. Yeah. But like, but he redeemed himself well, especially in the second half. He was actually dealing with Yilmaz, which by the way, he's a very tall uh center forward Yilmaz he was dealing with him really nicely he was covering his ground and for someone who's at his age has at his experience who has a yellow card in a UCL tie he didn't lose it he had his composure so this is why I like him really a lot uh, I think he has a bright future not quite he's not quite there yet but I think he's gonna be very yeah. soon in my opinion yeah exactly yeah I mean for me I agree what Ubi said he doesn't necessarily have to go on loan and Judah made it get fair points too the only problem I have with him is that it's too rash and the one-on-one -on -one defending yeah, seems comes with young is, yeah fair enough it, it seems like everybody has identified his one-on-one -on -one flaws now but it is what it is i guess i mean for me the moment yeah. of the match was when he made that when he came came in and then got a yellow card immediately and next thing <laughs> we're under pressure but uh, for a positive note i'll say when cover stitch like dribbled like uh, the, the midfield air and then i don't know if i can't remember what he did after but it was very nice what he did but I yeah. want conversation starts more often, to be honest. I want conversation starts more often. He's got the flair, you know. When yeah. when do you guys think Kovacic is our best midfielder? He's our best progressive midfielder, but not complete yeah. midfielder, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think yeah. our best is probably Kante. Yeah, Kante, Kante. Yeah, it has to be Kante, in my opinion. I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but Kante is, is like uh, is like a mini god, you know. Like he's everywhere. <laughs> he has four lungs. I always yeah. talk about yeah. him in every episode. For those of yeah. you that don't know, <laughs> he's my favorite player actually this season. So um, so I just wanted to say about um Chaloba. I think um, yeah. Tommy, you already made a good point as well that um, you know, the top clubs and they have top managers. They they will they will target Chaloba because they already identify him as you know a weak link in that defense. And I'm and I mm. promise you, if we're facing probably a team like. Um, City or Liverpool. Um, I assure you, <laughs> those coaches <laughs> will tell the players. Just look at what Diaz. Look at what Diaz yeah. did to him. How many games ago? So I assure you, they will be telling players like Mares, Diaz, and you know the likes to keep on dribbling at him and you know going at him. And obviously, like you, like Tommy also said, he's a very rash defender. At one point in the game, he will make a rash decision. So, but I mean, but there's nothing. Tuchel can also do because at the same time we have a player like Christensen who is very fragile and is almost always injured. And about Christensen, and also about Christensen, I believe I believe he has actually realized that he's is not um fit enough to always be playing every game in the Premier League. Of which that's why I, I just I don't blame him when he's you know wanting to leave Chelsea because I believe he has seen this as an opportunity because he's at the top of his game right now. I don't think he will ever. <laughs> gets better than you know okay no he will probably get better than he is right now but i mean at the moment is at the top of his yeah. game he can ask for much much money from any club and luckily for him barcelona is coming in for him so i wouldn't blame him because he's obvious that he cannot cope with the physicality and you know the 
uh, robustness of playing Premier League games week in, week out. So it's just it's good for both parties, for both Chelsea and he himself to just, you know, move to another club in another league and, you know, develop himself there and, you know, become a better player. So, yeah. I mean, if I talk about, if I talk about Christensen, we'll stay here for hours, but it's okay. <laughs> let me come to, let me come to Anthony. And, yeah. uh, do you guys have anything else to say about the Lille match? Maybe I'm missing something. Any contribution about the Lille match? Because I want to move to Middlesbrough. Okay, my contribution about the Lille match. Yeah, do you have any other contribution? Hmm. Okay, the okay. only thing I can do. Yeah. Christensen. <clears throat> I'm glad, okay, not really glad that he's leaving. <laughs> uh, he, he was supposed to be our John Terry, by the way. When he came, he came back from loan. He was he was already one of the best defenders out there. A very young player could about playing centre back, but then he can't stay fit. Actually, what makes what makes Aspi one of the best defenders out there is his availability. There is no way you can become world class when you are never available to play. Yeah, true. He's so unreliable. He's good, no doubt he's good. But then, most of the time when we really need him, he's never available. He's never available. I agree. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's okay. Let me come to the Middlesbrough match. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. Before you go to the Middlesbrough game, um, I just have kind of like a question or something. Was I the only one? Was I the only one surprised that Lukaku actually didn't start in it in a in the striker formation yesterday? Like, you know I'm laughing. You know I'm laughing. You know I'm laughing because I'm the biggest Lukaku uh, critic, and I never once even brought forgot. I uh, thought about him like I forgot about the air in this episode. So once you just mentioned him, I was just like, wow, Lukaku. <laughs> but yeah, I was surprised but, that he didn't start. But yeah, Ruby, Ruby, like, wait, I don't know, were you not surprised or something? Because I from, I myself was actually surprised not to see him in the lineup or something because this is like the fifth game in a row or something that he has not started. And I don't know, I just find it... I mean, I look, really. I, I understand where it came from because I, I heard you the last episode, actually, that you featured in... I know your vision on Lukaku and, and whatnot. Like, I have to agree with something that we could use some rotation so that we don't overuse Havertz. But at the same time, yeah, I think exactly. the UCL tie is really important that I think if Lukaku started, we, I don't know, who knows, maybe we would have lost or drawn or something. <laughs> so maybe Tuchel did not want to take the risk. So this is my take on this. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Anthony, what do you have to say? Like, why didn't he start? Why do you think he didn't start yesterday? Okay, from what I believe, mm-hmm. the manager is trying to find a chemistry up front. At some point, okay. he was rotating every match. At least one player is benched every match. At this point, I feel like he's trying to find a, a front three that can can everyone can feel like this, this is our front. This is our starting 11 or our front three. So, Lukaku not starting was not a surprise, actually. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with what Ubi said though. Like, I mean, it was an important UCL match, but at the same yeah, time, I expected yeah. him to start, you know. So it's kind of like when he didn't start, I was kind of surprised because I felt like Havertz has played a lot of games. Judah, how do you see that yeah. Middlesbrough match going? Well, yeah, so moving on to the Middlesbrough game. <laughs> Um, I mean, at this point, I won't be surprised actually if Lukaku doesn't start again <laughs> because I actually no, expected him to the last game. Yeah. So, I guess any will. Yeah, I think you. But Karen, 
well, we can never be too sure about that, though. But yeah, so for the Middlesbrough game, um, personally, I believe we shouldn't rotate too much because they've proved that they can beat the big teams because they've just this season they've beaten Tottenham. Although I don't know, it depends on if you count Tottenham and United as big big teams, you know. <laughs> but so, but yeah. They've proved that you know they can at least big um beat the Premier League clubs, so I wouldn't take any risk. You know, like mm. um, I mean by risk maybe starting um players like Loftus Cheek or, mm-hmm. or um or I don't know Sa or Malensa. You know, but um Kepa can start. Yeah, Kepa can start. Um, Kepa can start. That's fine. But yeah, so basically, I think the main thing is just not to um take risk or overlook mm-hmm. them. Which I know Tuchel is not going to do because it's never um, it's never a coach that does that. So, but yeah, I believe we should be able to go on and get the win, and hopefully we get the win in full time and they don't take us to another extra. <laughs> like, but even if they do, yeah, even like if they, they do this international play. break, bro, if they do, then we are likely to lose that game because there's already speculation that we are going to um have a ten hour round trip. Just to get to Middlesbrough, yeah, that's is in the news all well that there's no plane available and that kind of thing. That so they have to take the bus, and you know taking the bus from London to Middlesbrough is a very long journey. So <laughs> it's about ten hours according to what is in the media. So taking us to extra time is just going to be like, I don't know, it's it's really going to be bad for those for those players because even playing ninety minutes, yeah, is a lot. So yeah, that's all right. Let me come to Ubi. Ubi, what do you think about the Middlesbrough match, like a preview? And then, in regards to like the fans not being not being like Chelsea not being able to sell tickets to the fans, how do you think that will impact the game? Uh, well, I think it's first of all, I think it's an important match. Obviously, it's the FA Cup. We need to win it to be in it, as they say, right? To win the FA yeah. Cup in the end. Uh, we could use some rotation, but not too much because, of course, Middlesbrough is in a good form. Although in in the championship, they just won like one. I'm talking their last five games. They won like once and then drawn the rest and lost like twice, I think, something like that. But of course, their FA Cup form is good. They they knocked out Spurs and United in penalties, I believe. So you know they're they're a good team. They also have a good history in the English football, you know. So we need to be careful. It's another banana skin, as they say, right? Similar to Luton Town before. Uh, and about the other topic, you said, of course, it would impact our players that we we're not gonna possibly have uh, much supporters, if any. Um, mm-hmm. But also, let me remind you guys that we when COVID started in 2020. Uh, our team basically, um, you know, played without spectators and we were doing all right. Similar to yesterday, although we had spectators in the Lille um, stadium, yeah. but they, were, they weren't as many. And we all know how the, the French crowd can be loud and stuff, but still we, we were composed, we were calm. Exactly. We have experience, so we can overcome this, in my opinion. It, it would be a good uh, match. They will give us a tough time. But I don't think they're good enough to knock us out. We're champions of the world, after all. Yeah. But, um, um, Anthony. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard about the Middlesbrough chairman said. What was your reaction? Because, I mean, we have to beat them. After all the nonsense, the guy said. Did you see his comments? Uh, is he the one who was talking about integrity and some... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him, yeah. <laughs> so, everything so, 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 that's been happening... Uh, yeah, we we have to win that match. There is no other way about it. We have to win, and I think okay, 
from as far as rotation is concerned, Kepa Kepa can start. Havertz Havertz has to start. We have we, we have to win that match. Maybe Lukaku Lukaku can play. Then Havertz can come in the second half as a substitute. Yeah. I, as of yeah. now, I have so much faith in that in that squad. I believe I believe we'll win that game. Yeah, me too. But let me come to Judah. Mm-hmm. Judah, in regards to yeah. the Middlesbrough chairman's comments, what do you have to say? I actually, I actually don't know what he said. So, like, what really? Did he say? Yeah, I don't oh. know. What I find it now. He said, <laughs> "Let me." What I find it now. He what said, "Chelsea and sporting integrity do not belong in the same sentence." Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, because we requested. <laughs> you guys are funny, guy. Yeah. No, but I'm actually the requesting of um the stuff that Chelsea did. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. requesting fans not to come and stuff i just i believe it was just like a pr stunt i i really don't believe i just believe it was like um those kind of things that um they're playing like the long game or something like that do you get Mm -hmm. i i really don't want to believe that they actually didn't want fans to watch the game i just believe they were trying to play like a long game and that kind of thing so yeah to put to put pressure on the government right yeah exactly yeah to put pressure on the government yeah ubi the new owners who would you like that we have like, um, I'm, I'm even, there's been a lot of development honest, and stuff yeah look to be honest all owners any owner would be bad compared to roman in my opinion at least but i have a so bad feeling about the the candy the one uh, what was yeah. his name? <laughs> candy, i don't know yeah. why yeah i don't know why i have a bad feeling might be controversial, but I have to go with the Saudi people because, yes, before you guys boil at me or something, I know they have a bad history in Saudi Arabia. I'm not here to support their, their acts and sexism, etc. Okay, we're talking about football here, not talking about politics. Uh, at least they have the, a good budget. Um, and um, I know that Middle Eastern have this good thing that they're really generous. So especially when they put the heart into something, if we want a big player, we can sign him because we have a budget. We have uh, the backing, let's say. And as far as I know, politics-wise, Saudi Arabia, UK, they're good friends and whatnot, which is good mm-hmm. not for politics, but for Chelsea Football Club. It's in our favor. Like, to be smart, I would say the Saudi team, I have a bit more faith compared to the candy guy and the others, and especially the Americans. I cannot trust Americans, I'm sorry. But yeah, that's my take on it, in my opinion, at least. Judah, yeah, he just retreated everything I wanted to say yeah. because I mean, <laughs> that's the reason why I went to him because I remember that in the last episode, we, I asked you the same question, so I forgot to ask for his own opinion. But yeah, yeah you can, but, you can um, carry time, talking about owners, you know, there was this, um, the new guys that they said wanted to beat yesterday that then Chelsea fans went to dig up debt, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about, yeah, yeah, about, uh, about American guys, guys yeah. that I can't pronounce the name for American, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, I mean, those American guys are just to. I just, I don't know. I don't just. I just believe that they are only after Chelsea for the profits. For like, profits. Yeah, they are only after Chelsea as a business because they want it. They want to, you know, model it into a business. And then um, mm-hmm. just before this um, episode, I was actually reading of another American um consortium and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Person was saying that um, Chelsea have uh, that the way Chelsea has been running over the years that it is not sufficient and that kind of thing that they want to come in and put in a structure that Chelsea need a structure and that kind of thing and from you know, you know yeah and from what they were saying it's just so obvious that this kind of person will come in 
and you know run the football club like probably I don't know maybe like Arsenal or or Liverpool or Manu. No, Liverpool actually spend money, but I mean, man, you also spend money. Okay, man, yeah. yeah, like Tottenham, exactly, like Tottenham, you know, <laughs> the way that they live around Tottenham, where they don't spend much money and, you know, they only spend what they have or what they make from competitions and you get that kind of stuff. So, I mean, those American guys, they are not really giving up the the good vibe. Yeah. Yeah, so, just, I like just hope that the Saudi guys are the ones. <laughs> You know, at first I was a bit at first I was a bit skeptical, but as things have developed further, I want the Saudis as well. They seem more they seem more like like they want to genuinely help the club move forward. As opposed yeah. to the other guys. The other guys they seem like they're carrying that seems a business or something. So that's why I'm not I'm not really happy I about think, that. I also believe yeah. Roman won't, won't help someone he, he he feels like won't develop the club. Yeah. Yeah. Even though even though he doesn't have the full control now. Yeah. But but what Judah said about the government yeah. being somebody said, yeah, I think it was Judah Ubi. You guys said that the government are actually in good terms with the Saudi Arabian government. Yeah. So hopefully that'll work in our favor. Hopefully. Hopefully that'll work in our favor. But I think by the by the end of the international break, we'll have an idea. Or before that. So uh, the deadline is tomorrow, actually. Yeah, but the deadline the is tomorrow by nine nine PM according to reports. Wow, so you see, so I think by the end of tomorrow, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut in, but um, I just found the, the comments by one of the um so called American um, consortium or whatever that are looking to buy Chelsea. So, this is from managing director of T4C Capital and advisory. So, he said, he said that I quote, from a private equity viewpoint, Chelsea is a club that has potential for enormous success, there's a need for capital need to do work on the stadium but they are a huge brand in the biggest league in the world now here where he went to spoil everything <laughs> so he now, said, he now said what's not to like the only note of concern is that it is clear over the last 20 years chelsea mm. had access to enormous capital the club would have to go through some governance and some restructuring so basically what he's trying to say is that he's not going to run the club the way Abramovich ran it, you know, in the last yeah. 20 years, where, where we yeah. had access to, you know, extra capital and that kind of thing. So I was just like, man, <laughs> hearing this alone is just a ton of, like, I agree. considering I agree. a big kind of people. So, yeah. I agree. But Ubi, <laughs> what do you have to say? What do you have to say to what Judah just said? Um, honestly, I, I don't know what to add. I mean, he covered it pretty much. I mean, I agree with him. That's all I'll say, really. <laughs> all right, let me ask you about the... Who do you like to get in the last eight? Look, if I want to be lazy, I would say Benfica. But if I want to, <laughs> you know, get get rid of the strongest team immediately, I would say Bayern Munich, just for sake of this epic battle that would happen. I know it. some fans might think it's stupid that I'm wanting to go <laughs> against Bayern. But to be honest, I really want us to go against them because I still hold the grudge since they they've won. I don't know six or seven one yeah, or something against us a few years we ago. We can save that. We can save that for the semi final, not quarter final. We can save that grudge. I don't know, man. I, I feel like if we got them early, we have a chance. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit hopeful. You have to face it at one point. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Not now, not now. Semi final, not now. Do you know? Do you, do you know? I was laughing. I was laughing because Manuel said the same thing. Manuel was, in the last episode. Manuel was like, you know. 
that he he wants Chelsea to you know wants us to be the best, and I'm just like this guy is funny. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just hopeful in my team, man. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Let me ask. Let me ask Anthony. And I'm, I'm Judah. I'll come to you, but let me ask Anthony. Anthony, who do you want to do quarterfinal? Uh, I, I, okay, I'll be okay with Villarreal. Yeah, I like your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like your answer. Wait, okay, Judah. It's either it's either Ajax or Benfica. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, we played Benfica in 2012, so it'd be a good omen. But yeah, but let me let me come to Judah. Yeah, Judah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I mean, considering what Ubi said now about the seven <laughs> one and and, and facing Bayern Munich again, no, I guess no I will just want, I'll, no I will also it. want to face. <laughs> I will also want to face Bayern Munich because nah. um, because I don't really they're not they're not really I don't I don't believe they are really in their best form to be sincere mm-hmm. with you. Um, they are not really in their best form. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, if anything, now is probably the right time to face a team like Bayern Munich. Not waiting for um semi final or something when they would have gained momentum <laughs> and no. you know gain. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Basically, if they give us um Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or Real Madrid or Benfica, I'm okay with any of those three to be sincere. Because Real Madrid also, they, they, I don't think they are, they are on, like, I don't think they are informed that much. So, yeah. yeah. No, but let me come to, let me add something. I agree, yeah, yeah it's nice to play the best and test yourself with the best. But you guys are going too far, Bayern. And second of all, <laughs> in the last, I said I want a, I want, the thing is Guardiola has left Man City for over six years now, since 2016. And he has not played Bayern in a serious in a serious match, you get. So I want that to happen. So before he plays Chelsea, sorry, before Bayern play Chelsea, or Man City play Chelsea, let them play Bayern. Let two of them play each other first. That's what I want. <laughs> so ideally, that's what I want. But if I had to pick like a, an opponent for Chelsea, I would say Benfica or Villarreal. Because I want to follow the same process we followed last year. I mean, Atletico Madrid was not as easy as Lille. But, no, no disrespect to Lille, by the way. But I'm saying like, Atletico Madrid was not as, let's say, convenient as Lille. So, you know, after we got... Let's go. We now got Porto. Yeah, you know, everybody wanted Porto. Porto. Yeah, everybody wanted yeah. Porto, and we got Porto. So now we, everybody wants either Villarreal or uh, either Villarreal or Benfica. But to be honest, ben, Villarreal are not a pushover. They're not. They're not pushovers. They're actually not pushovers. They're not pushovers. So yeah. Nah, we should be able to beat Villarreal or Benfica. <laughs> nah. If Rhys James will be available, we can face Bayern. I believe yeah. I, we can face Bayern. Yeah, we need I, him I, to face Alfonso Davis. We we <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, I don't wait. No, 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 that's true. Please, I don't want Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I can't. I can't have Alfonso Davis running at Aspiqueta. No, that is a violation. That that will be. <laughs> I mean, look, guys. Just one more thing about this is that the reason, of course, apart from what I said earlier about Bayern and stuff, why I want them in the quarterfinal, is that a lot of uh, people, like outside of Chelsea, let's say, they always say, like, oh, Chelsea always have, like, easy fixtures, uh, similar to 2012 and, and last year, like, in the Champions League, that we always have, like, Portos and Benficas and Napoli going back to 2012 and stuff, that thanks to them, we cross over to the semifinals. But this time, if we actually beat Bayern early on, we can just shut those people and say, hey, we're yeah. strong enough, we're brave enough to want to face one of the best teams in Europe in Bayern Munich. In my opinion, I mean, I don't know. This might be controversial. <laughs> yeah, even right now, the, the most pundits out there, they are not even rating Chelsea. Like, they don't even... Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't care for the rating because we beat by to counter that argument. We beat Bayern, we beat Baka. Man, Napoli were top team. They had Cavani and they actually beat us. Um, wasn't three one in first leg? Then we sacked. Yeah, yeah, Lazio we, we did a comeback. And we now, yeah. we now did, yeah, you get so like now nah, anyone who says that is just being a hater. Same yeah, way, same way, Craig, that. same way, Craig Burnley said, "Oh, you know, winning the Club World Cup is a plastic trophy." That guy, look that at what we won. We won the Club World Cup. <laughs> we won the Club World Cup and look at us now. We won every game ever since then. So you can see that it gives you a bit of a lift. So anyone who wants to say that is just trying to be a hater, you yeah. know, in my opinion. But yeah, Ubi, yeah. Uh, can you explain why Werner and Havertz are having different fortunes at Chelsea? I mean, simply because they're different players. Like, just because both of them play up top doesn't mean they're the same players and both are from Germany and both came from Bundesliga. I mean, similarities, yes, sure. But Werner is more of a pacey striker who likes to um, run behind defenders, um, open up spaces. He drifts wide a lot. Whereas uh, Havertz, of course, he's very versatile. Uh, I think at some point in his career with uh, Leverkusen, he played as a center midfielder, similar to like Kante, imagine. So he can play at a center midfielder. He can play on the right wing, similar to how um, Lampard used him. He obviously can play false nine and true nine as a full number nine. So because Werner is not as versatile, that's why he's a bit flopping more. Because if uh, Tuchel gave him instructions and he's falling to, I mean, failing, sorry, to yeah. to follow that instruction, then he's going to flop. Whereas uh, the versatility of Havertz allows him to have a better path, a better career, a better understanding of tactics, in my opinion, at least. So that's why they're a bit different. Let me pose the same question to Judah. Because, I mean, people, the reason I'm bringing this up is because people are saying that, you know, they're both in the Premier League. They, they both came from the same league, you know. So why is it that both of them are having different fortunes? I mean, Ubi made a very good point, but what, what can you say? Why do you think Havertz and Werner are having... Yeah, so basically, the main thing that they have, the main difference is the pace, like um, Ubi said, because Werner is a type of striker that loves to run in behind um, defenders. And in the Premier League, we are a top side. So basically, automatically, most of the teams, like 80% or 70% of the teams who are going to face week in, week out, they sit back and they don't press us. You know, they don't they don't push up higher, the, higher, higher in the pitch. So... That, uh, that automatically means that there's no space to run into. There's no space to exploit. You know, there's no way for him to run behind um, defenders and all that. And also, he's not good with his feet. Like, you know, Werner can take on players one versus one. He can't dribble past the player. And he can't also play with his back to goal or stuff like that. He's, he's almost the same same thing with um, Lukaku. Like, you know, he's almost the same kind of... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the same kind of uh, uh, what what they call it now. The same kind of issues that both of them are going through. So yeah, so yeah. that's why they have so much um, different career career paths, and that is why Vena cannot um, perform in a, a Chelsea fit even the club. Like wow. it doesn't even fit the kind of profile of wow. of players that we've had in the past. Yeah, wow. it's true. Vena, we've never had a. I don't know if I can remember well, we've never had a, a striker of the profile of um, Werner. So it just doesn't fit, you know, what what the club as a as an entity portrays. So yeah, that's that's just the reason why. For me, 
I feel he, he has hope, but it's very slow. Hope? The reason, you know, wait, wait, let me let me land, let me land. The reason <laughs> is because when I think when, when I think of the Vena who scored that goal against Southampton, I'm like, where's that guy? That beautiful goal against oh, yeah. those two. Yeah, where's that guy? Do you know how long ago that was? Yeah, but it's still the same person now. I'm just like, <laughs> where's that guy? You get I, I don't understand but that guy let me... that guy is born. That that's the thing. Like, you know, um strikers they always need confidence. One mm-hmm. thing that strikers need is confidence to a run mm-hmm. of games. Like we can see the good that the run of games has done to Avas game. But mm-hmm. now, right now, there's no way for him to get that run of games. There's no there's no way for him to get that confidence. There's no way for him to even should I say get the the support from you know from players and everything? So I mean everything is just against him to be fair. So I don't I don't see him coming good to be fair with you. I don't I don't really see him coming good. Fair enough. We'll see at the end of the season. But Anthony, yeah. you have something to contribute. Vana Vana can only play play against a team that is playing open. Yeah. They don't have deep blocks. Vana cannot play against teams like Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> most most teams in the Premier League, like right now, we are in possession football. We get a goal, but Vana cannot. The, okay, the only the only thing that Vana has that can help us is that he can make runs between defenders. He can make a run to convince a uh, an opponent, but then that's never enough. You have to score goal. That's never enough. So, I'm guessing you think no hope for Werner then? I no hope no for Werner. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I stand alone. I stand yeah, alone. you stand alone, man. <laughs> but no, I like, I like... And just um, another point. If you, if you see, um, the players that were bought at the same time, I mean, um, when Werner, Avart, Ziyech, and um, I think it was three of them, right? Is there any other the one? attackers, no, Thiago Silva... Um, no, 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 just attackers. Just attackers. Okay, yeah, I think just you know, three like, of them. You know, you know, three of them flopped last season. But now watch, two of them, two out of the three I mentioned, they're already playing good football and they're already adapted to the system and to the league and to everything. But look at Vena is the only one, is the only one standing alone that was still yet to see anything of, you know, importance or, you know, any any good coming from him. So, yeah, basically, he just has to move on. But I think, I think two coolers. I think Tukul had given up on Vanna. Yeah, Tukul also gave up on There was a time in the beginning of the season when um Tukul still used to, you know, introduce him into the games and you know, probably yeah. a start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but basically he just he just got to a point that <laughs> he got tired and just gave up on him. I think it's the same treatment that is giving Lukaku now as well. So we are yeah. probably going to we spoke about it in the last episode. I was like, oh, that, you know, he's giving him Tammy Abraham treatment or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's just unfortunate. Okay, let me ask Anthony this question. Anthony, how do you rank the three best goals so far this season? In your own opinion. In your own opinion. For Chelsea? Yeah, for Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> for Chelsea. <laughs> for Chelsea. I have the Kovacic goal versus Liverpool. Liverpool? Yeah. Then Viet versus Paz. Yeah, that was a good goal. This is where my Chaloba props come comes in. Chaloba versus Palace. So which one is number one? Which one is number two? Which one is number three? Let me know. First, okay. 
Ziyech versus Spurs, number one. Kovacic versus Liverpool. Then the Saliba versus Palace, considering it was his debut. Yeah. And fair enough. Of- fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Let me come to let me come to Ubi. Ubi, you're too quiet. Why are you quiet? Let me come to you. I'm just listening, you know. <laughs> well, all right. So, how do you rank? Yeah, same question. How do you rank three best goals this season? In your own opinion, the three best goals. Um, I'll say yesterday's goal, Pulisic goal against mm. Lille, because although it's just a shot, but for those of you that don't know, he had an XG. His his shot has an XG of less than zero point zero six percent, which means probably this goal wouldn't be a goal. Unless, I mean, not thanks to his shooting, you know. I mean, he's really clinical. He's really composed. It's a beautiful goal that really changed our path, as I said earlier. Another goal is the Kovacic goal against Liverpool. I think it's every Chelsea fan uh, favorite goal because it's an, it's an important goal. It was an important goal anyways. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of uh, shots outside the box, you know. Mm-hmm. And my third goal would be Ziyech goal against... I think it was Spurs when he also had an outside of the box shot, curled it into the top bins. He was really amazing. These these are yeah. my top, uh, three goals. So so the first one is cover. Sorry, the first the first good one for you is cover or Pulisic. I think Pulisic, just because of All that right. statistic that I said, zero point zero six percent. All right, all right, over to you. Um, so my first <laughs> one, my first mm-hmm. one is the Kovacic goal because mm-hmm. the technique he used in that goal was just out of this world. So, so yeah, that's my first. My second is um, Ziyech versus Sports. Yeah, so um, and for the last one, I think I'll go with the Pulisic goal yesterday as well. Because, yeah, because when I when I read the statistics that Ubi, when I read like the stats that Ubi just mentioned. It was, it was out of this world, man. So yeah, it has to be number three. Yeah, <laughs> let me let me come in. Let me come in. I have beef with all of you. I have beef. With yeah, all but of wait, you. wait, but wait. There's also <laughs> an argument. There's also an argument that that mm-hmm. that told that the Pulisic goal can also be down to luck. Like it might be that he just got lucky as well, you know, with the finish. But anyways, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. But I have beef with all of you. I have beef with all of you. How would? Yeah. When was the last time you saw a goal like Havertz's goal? Seriously. Like Havertz, which one? Yeah. Which one? Yeah. The Newcastle one. When was the last time you saw a goal like that? I'm surprised none yeah. of you mentioned the Newcastle, like Havertz's um, goal. Um, actually, <laughs> like, Mount, Mount's goal, Mount's goal uh, um, against Newcastle was actually better than Havertz's goal. Remind me, remind me, remind me. The one that he, he lets the ball through his leg, then he turned and, and shoots to the top Wait. corner. Newcastle. Oh, no, Newcastle. no, that was not Newcastle. Norwich. No, no, not Newcastle, rather. Um, you mean Norwich? Against, um, Norwich, yeah, Norwich, yeah, against Norwich. Wow. I have double B for you, too. Wow. <laughs> Boy, okay, well, was, I, to be honest, I said it in your opinion. I said it in your opinion. Oh, 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 that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. surprised. Like, for me, if yeah. I had to rank it, if I had to rank yeah, it, don't yeah. get me wrong. Ziyech's goal is really good. It's really good. But I think I'll go Havertz, Kovac number one, Havertz number two, then Ziyech number three. But Havertz yeah, and no, Kovac are actually very close. It's because Kovac's goal is so unique. 
But when it comes like Harvard's goal, maybe because I watched it a few times. I don't know. Maybe you guys didn't watch it a few, few no, times no, no, too. No, but Harvard's goal, Harvard's goal should be like just slightly below Cover's goal. It was that good. Like it was that good. So I'm I'm surprised you guys didn't. Even, I was just surprised. Yeah, no, <laughs> Nah, it's true. That was a good goal as well. Yeah, it was. I'm just surprised. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you. Who will ask this question now? Okay. Okay. It's kind of controversial, though. But we're going to round up soon. It's kind of controversial. <laughs> but let me just know. Between the Rudiger and Thiago Silva partnership and John Terry and whoever you want to mention with John Terry, which, which partnership do you think is better? Um, should I answer? Yeah, you can, yeah. Okay. Um. So you're yeah, asking about partnership. Um. Of, yeah, obviously, Terry and Cavallo partnership is the best because they considered only only fourteen goals in the season. Do you know how how 15. like fifteen? Is it fourteen of? Are you sure it's fifteen? It's fifteen. Yeah, it's fifteen. Yeah. It's ah, 15. Okay. Okay. Fifteen. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. fifteen. Do you know how crazy that is? Like, <laughs> do you know how <laughs> like nobody, nobody, like no single club in in league has ever come close to that so yeah so i mean that was a mad start and i don't believe any partnership can ever top them like fair, I fair. and also it's me... also worth mentioning that um mm-hmm. the rudiger and tiago silva partnership is not a a two-man pairing like it's a three three-man defense so yeah so i don't think that should even be in the discussion at all really <laughs> i mean yeah, the reason i brought it up is because the reason I brought it up is because like two of them are playing really well. And I agree, yes, it's not a two, it's not a two-man defense partnership, but two of them are really on yeah. form right now. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is that the thing is that um you have to understand that John Terry is a Chelsea legend. Like <laughs> a legend. He's a Chelsea legend. <laughs> so so I mean even mentioning Rudiger next to John Terry's name alone is like a disrespect <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. And and also that 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 start that I gave you alone, like just that start of 15 goals considered in a full Premier League season, that yeah. alone should should be enough to, you know, disregard any partnership or any uh, whatever you know unless unless another partnership in the chelsea era comes close to that maybe somebody does like i don't know 17 or 20 or something then you can start um you know looking into details and trying to you know um differentiate yeah. which one better. but not nah, it has to be terry yeah. and Kovale and Kovale for me correct me if i'm wrong but i think we've only considered 18 goals this season 19, we consider against Norwich. Yeah, 19 so, in the Premier League at least. Aha, uh-huh. so you see. Yeah, no, we're going through Premier League because you mentioned 15. We still have 10 games left. So. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> fair point, fair point. No, but I think they're coming close though. I think two of them are coming close. Thiago and Rudiger. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I think they're coming close to that partnership. But the 15, when he said that 15, I was like, I kind of gave up. When he said that 15, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, fair point. Up to that level yet. Let's not just kid ourselves. They are not just up to that level yet. Let's look. Let's see. Oh, I don't know if you guys have another idea. Yeah, I was just going to ask Anthony. Anthony, what do you think? Okay, okay. I think the Terry Cavallo partnership. I don't. I doubt whether there'll ever be another partnership like that in the Premier League history. Okay, it will never happen. It will never happen. We, we we've seen very very good squads 
The Invincibles. Yeah. Sister City. That record has never been broken. I don't think there'll ever be another another partnership that will ever play as good as them in that season. Yeah, even the Man City team that that went like over hundred points or something that they was that they almost unbeaten. They themselves they couldn't break the record. They couldn't. That record, will, that record will never. It's it's almost like the the Mourinho record, eight eighty six home matches, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such records will never be broken. I don't. I don't think they'll ever be. But but Thiago Silva and Rudiger, we haven't seen matches where they played together like just the two of them as the centre backs. But I believe they they'd be good. They'd be good. Yeah. Also, also shout out shout out to to Cahill and David Luiz versus Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they both played through injury. So fair enough. Yeah. Ubi, let me. Ubi, let me ask you the same question. What was your opinion? Um, well, of course, you guys already made a good point, and I agree with, with it. Um, we can't compare Thiago Silva and Rudiger to Carvalho and Terry because the latter were really, like, legends, as you said. And um, Rudiger and uh, Thiago Silva just played, like, two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, as together. So, like, we can't compare decades of you know partnership to like two seasons partnership it's not fair to rudiger i think if rudiger and thiago silva stay a bit longer i mean rudiger is already 37 38 i'm not sure if he can last thiago yeah sorry exactly but like if they can both stay together long term maybe it can be as good a partnership as uh, terry and carvalho but like i doubt it of course uh, carvalho and terry were just amazing um actually like terry lacked in in pace like i think this was his only like uh downside whereas rudiger has that pace so like rudiger has the advantage over terry in this uh category but otherwise the defensive awareness of terry is just out of this world in my opinion <laughs> so yeah if you compare that to tiago as well though but the reason i'm bringing this okay let me give you another one now both of them won the champions league and two of them didn't um, two people won Champions League. Two of them won Premier League. I I agree the longevity and all that. Take it into account and stuff. But I just felt it would be a nice debate. But I mean, they both complement each other. Like you mentioned, pace, um, defensive awareness, blah blah blah. You know, so like I feel like they're up. They're getting right there. They can actually challenge both of them because yeah, one pair true. won Champions League and the other only won Premier League and other trophies too. But yeah. True, true. Yeah, that's what that's what I was about. Told me that's what I was about to say because um, you said they both won Champions League, but they they oh, I mean Terry and Cavallo also won Premier League. They won Premier League and and they dominated teams in the in the Premier League, of which is not is not really something we can say of um Thiago Silva and Rudiger partnership just yet. You know, so so I don't I just believe like that partnership is is up there. It's just up there. Okay, let me... So we're rounding up very soon, guys. Let me just ask um Anthony this question. Anthony, so any new person who comes on the show, he asks this particular question. So I don't know. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so obviously, you know, the Roman era is coming to an end, right? So who yeah. do you say are the worst? One, just one answer, one um, player, one for each. Who do you say is the best and the worst player in the Roman era? Okay, the best... Oh, no. That's re- that's very re- very difficult for me to answer. Mm-hmm. I choose two players. <laughs> okay, maybe you can say yeah. Just anyone. 
Just allow me to take two. I'll take Lampard and Hazard. <laughs> then the worst. This will be very harsh, but uh, I can I can I can I can think of about the, the likes of Alpato, Falcao. <laughs> Bro, I forgot about Falcao, you know. Yeah, it's true. Likes of Pato and Falcao, we sent them after winning the league. Mm. We, we we were supposed to support Mourinho and after 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 winning the league, then we gave him Pato and Falcao. <laughs> but okay, I think for the price tag, Bakayoko, Bakayoko wow. never leave. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow. Uh, bro, you, you make me feel bad, you know. Eh? You actually, your answers were actually very good because I said Ross Barkley, but to be fair, Bakayoko was worse than Ross Barkley, and um, Falcao was well, you Falcao. I, I had high hopes actually because, because that season I, I I think I was watching the Ma- Monaco matches. Yeah. Then signed Bakayoko. He was mm-hmm. he was in the Champions League team of the season actually. Yeah. Then he comes to the team and flops. Uh, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, you are so spot on because yeah, that's, that's the person I actually wanted to mention as my worst <laughs> worst player in in Abramovich history. Last week you said Torres. Now remember, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Very you know, harsh, week, man. You know, last Very week I, I, I was I was like I'm not sure who to mention, but like I went to give it a, a, a thought, and I was like I'm going to tell you that now I have my answer, and the answer I was going to give you is Bakayoko because oh, Bakayoko <laughs> literally he has the worst he has the worst half like the worst first half that any Chelsea player has ever had in history, not even in in Abramovich era alone <laughs> in history. <laughs> The game where the game where he had, he had a red card and you know he had um, how many how many touches was it in the whole of the first half? So I, yeah, I think it was that Watford match, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Watford. Yeah, I guess Watford. You so yeah, it was it was and our was our was it, was, it, was, it was so bad. The Chelsea fans even booed him. Yeah, like, yeah that's very yeah, bad. It was. No, I think I think Bakayoko is a very strong answer to be honest. So yeah, but um, Judah Ubi said his worst. Uh, it's an opinion thing, though. We said his worst player is Morata. Yeah. What do you have to say? You said Torres, him, you said Morata, but what do you have to say? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, I said, you know, when you asked me, I said, um, most likely, no, no, I was like, most likely that, um, if we're going to be picking worst player, it's going to come from a striking position, like, you know, one of the strikers, one of the strikers that we've had over the years, because they've really been poor, let's be, let's be sincere. The only ones that have stood out is Drogba and Costa. That, uh, yeah, the, the other number nines have, which would you want to mention? Yeah, right. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm very biased for Torres, but you're right, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I mean I wouldn't argue with him if he says Morata because Morata was equally bad, you know, and he had a very bad attitude. He didn't he, he had no um he had no that um courage or something. So like yeah, mm-hmm. Morata is also a fair shout, you know. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, but I think we can all agree Bakioko. Bakayoko is a very strong <laughs> shot. Yeah, to me, Bakayoko yeah. is a very strong. It's even yeah. a far more stronger argument than Murata or Barkley or yeah or whoever. <laughs> of which, of which, to me, I actually believe that Barkley one is a is a, is a harsh take. Shot. I don't, I don't really nah, believe Barkley. It's that bad. So, tell me, are you trying to tell me that Barkley is worse than drink water? 
Drinkwater was not that bad. Like, if you, even if you watch the preview, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad like that. Did, did Drinkwater did even play for Chelsea? How many matches did he play? He wasn't that bad. He wasn't that bad. The problem I have with Ross Barkley, he, 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 um, Drinkwater wasn't that bad. Like, he was average, but wasn't extremely bad. He was average. And if you think about it, I don't know if you guys watched the preseason. He was actually one of our best players in preseason. But obviously, he couldn't stay, so... And you know. bro, you can say the, you can say the same thing about Barkley. Have you? Have yeah, you forgotten to be honest, the name Barkley. Yeah, Barkley is the same Barkley now. Presentation star, true, like true, 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 true. He's always performing presentation. Okay, tell me one thing that was so bad about Danny uh, the drink water. Just maybe not one, but two. Just tell me two things. That will, then I'll tell you what was so yeah. bad about Danny drink water. He was average. Um, he did his job, like yeah. When we brought in drink water. We, mm-hmm. we brought him in because um um if I can remember well hey god what was the reason we brought in during quarter I think his partnership with Kante I think it was partnership yeah, yeah. it was his partnership with Kante right and um yeah. I, I don't know there was another reason I'm trying to remember I think it was like to unlock a striker or something like that but I can't really remember <laughs> right. yeah yeah I mean, serious yeah I, I because I knew like there was just I mean, it wasn't like he was a a good, a top-class player or someone that they actually scouted, you know. It, it was just, you know, someone that they just bought just because um, he played well with Kante and that kind of stuff. And they, and they believed that he would be able to replicate it, you know, in Chelsea. And it just turned out the opposite, to be sincere, like literally the opposite. He came to Chelsea and he could not make five-yard passes. He could not, you know, the ball could not stick to his feet and, you know, so different kind of um, things that happened. And but, and um, the thing about Drinkwater is that it was worse to the extent that he, even when he went out on loan to lesser clubs, they didn't even play him. He didn't play in the loan. <laughs> to show you how... <laughs> how I mean, he got injured. He, he got injured a few times. No, even after the injury, even when he came back from injury, and he was always having... Um, he was always having um, off-the-pitch off, off the pitch incidents, you know? So he wasn't even a player that was disciplined off-the-pitch. So, yeah, mm. I mean, it's also a fair shout. Like, it was a, it was a wasted money. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it wow. was one of the first wasted money that we... That, 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 has he even played this season? He's on loan. He um he's on loan in Reading at Reading, but I don't know if he has played. I think exactly. he's not even playing that much. But I don't know. I'd, actually, I don't know. Let me let me check. Let me come. So guys, we're rounding up. I don't know. Let me let me ask um Ubi this last question. Then I'll come back to you guys. But we're rounding up now. Mm-hmm. So this question just popped into my mind. It's not really Chelsea related, but Chelsea related. It's just funny. So obviously, you've heard about the whole. <laughs> Who is better between with James and Trent? But I, I'm taking a different twist now. Ubi, who do you think can defend better between Trent and Alonso? Who can defend better? <laughs> is this a real question or what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so you're just asking defensively, nothing else. Yeah. Right? We're not talking about know. pace. Just, We're not talking about no, no, going just forward. Yeah, just defensively. Okay. Um, okay, first of all, Trent is plays on the right flank and Alonso is on the left, which actually makes some difference. Yeah, but yeah. look, it might be controversial, but when Alonso is in his prime, okay, I'm not talking about yesterday's performance, it was awful. <laughs> but <laughs> when he's in his prime, I mm-hmm. think Alonso is slightly better, like just just a touch better, let's say. 
because he just doesn't leave as much uh, space behind as uh, Trent does. Because like Trent really advances forward, and yes, I know Alonso also advances forward. But like I feel like th- since uh, Alonso has been playing a bit more than Trent, so he's a bit you know older, has more experience. He he has developed this better, let's say, overall defensive awareness. But that's the only way Alonso is slightly better than um, Trent. Otherwise, Trent is far better than Alonso as a player in general. But I had to comment on the defensive awareness because that's how I see things when I look at matches. I really pay attention to like uh, players, how they move up and down and if they're leaving spaces in behind and whatnot. And I think Alonso is slightly better, in exception of yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I would say say this because... I just want to point out something. You said, you know, they leave space in behind. The only reason is because Alonso plays in the three at the back while Trent plays in a four. You remember Alonso played in a four back in Lampard and you remember that West Ham match that we lost in the last minute? Remember who lost? Who yeah. Lost? And so, yeah. But, Judah, what do you think? Who, who do you think I defend better? Um, to be fair, <laughs> respectfully, I'll have to uh, disagree with Ubi because um, I believe for one, um, Trent has really, really improved his defensive game this season. That's if if you are someone that watches um Liverpool game a lot. So I mean, and I think just yesterday or like after the game against Arsenal, Klopp did an interview where they asked him, you know, about this same question about Trent not being able to defend and that kind of thing. And it was like anybody that believes Trent cannot defend that the person doesn't obviously know football. But I'm not saying like I totally agree with him. I'm not even saying Trent is that much of a good, you know, defender or something. But, but I mean, he has actually really improved his defensive game this season. And if you actually go and his, his defensive stats and if you compare it to a player like maybe Rhys James or any other fullback you will see mm-hmm. that it's actually improving and it's even yeah, he even has some defensive stats like to my surprise when I checked it he even had some defensive stats that are better than Rhys James so so yeah basically I, I don't I don't believe um, <laughs> Alonso is a better defender than, than Trent to be. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't think there's any anything like that Alonso is, you know, close to Trent in, except for maybe scoring goals. Uh, so maybe that that one is close to uh, is close to Trent on. So yeah, basically that's my two cents. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I feel Alonso should become a striker, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> or a winger. I'll I'll take striker like a poacher or something. It's a rude type of striker, but it's okay. Anthony, Anthony, yeah, so, uh, Anthony. Uh, okay, Trent Alonso. I think Trent is Trent is as a defender. Trent ages Alonso. Trent ages Alonso little, not that much, because Trent doesn't get to defend a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's the point I wanted to make. Sorry, Anthony. Sorry, but like that's the point I wanted to make because of the system, the kind of system that um club. Yeah, that Liverpool plays. Trent doesn't actually. I I've forgotten the name of the pundits. There was a pundit that did um that did a full analysis on on you know on Trent and the way he plays and the way he fits into Liverpool system. It was like if you take Trent out of Liverpool and the system that Klopp plays, that's when you begin to see you know his weaknesses and you know his um defensive flaws and that kind of thing. But like when you put him in a Liverpool team. 
then he's actually like basically more or less like a complete defender because of the way they played. So yeah, basically that's what I would just say. I would say overall, defensively and everything, trying to spar better than Alonso. But maybe most likely if you take them to different clubs or something, then maybe then we can start judging or something. Fine, fine. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. So yeah, thank you for coming, Judah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Anthony, we hope to have you again soon. Uh, thanks, bro. <laughs> let me just finally let me just get a prediction from you guys. How do you the Middlesbrough game? How do you because obviously after that is international break, but what's your score prediction? Just score prediction. Um for me, I would say 2-0, but it also depends on the lineup. It depends on the lineup. Like, it depends on the attacking lineup. Like it depends on the attackers that uh that what's it called? That Tuchel starts. If he starts Ziek, then I will say two nil. But if Ziek doesn't start, I will probably say one one nil or something. And the one nil will probably be a second half goal. So yeah, that's my prediction. Fair enough. Ubi, what do you think? I think three one Chelsea. Um, and Middlesbrough will score first. I think. Wow. But we will win comfortably. Fair, fair point. Fair <laughs> Anthony, what do you think? <clears throat> okay, I think three one. Mm-hmm. But I believe Kepa, Kepa will start. <laughs> yeah, Kepa. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess we'll come back and react to the whole Champions League draw and everything on Saturday. So, yeah. So, again, thanks for having you guys, man. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for having us, man. It was really amazing getting featured and looking forward for the next one. Yeah.